Psalm 37. Tonight we're just going to go for the utterly simple but very practical truth found here. On Friday morning, about 5.30 in the morning, um, I knew I was headed for home. I was supposed to leave there at 6, but I woke up a little early, so I got around and I left down there at 5.30 in the morning. And on my way, it was, it's, I'm not a morning person really, and it was dark at 5.30 in the morning, and I was a little sleepy, and so in order to keep myself going, I turned the CD player on in the car, and it happened to have a CD in there that Carol had put in on our way down. Um, it was an instrumental CD, and all of the songs were, they're not, not all of them were hymns, but all of them were Christian songs, songs that I know. And so I just let it play for about two hours, a little over, trying to keep myself awake and going on the trip. And there's about 15 or so songs on the CD. And so I'm singing along for about two hours, and I sang through um, actually the, the whole CD two or three times. Um, and one of the songs that I sang that was on that CD was in this passage, word for word. And after I stopped playing the CD for the rest of all of those songs, which is a good thing about music, it continually speaks to you, those songs kept running back through my mind, and these verses kept going back and back again. And last night, they came back to me when I was studying again, and they almost became this morning's message. Um, but here we are in these verses tonight. They're very familiar verses. Do you know there's a problem with familiar verses? The problem with familiar verses is that they've been preached on so many times that almost everybody's heard at least one message on it. So everybody comes with their own preconceived ideas, their own preconceived notions about what this verse is actually saying. And so when you preach, that's what they're expecting you to say. But do you realize that there's a lot of controversy on almost everything? And this afternoon I pulled up a dozen or so commentaries on these verses. And after reading and reading and reading, finally I just gave it up. Because there is no consensus. Basically, almost anything that you could think of that these verses could possibly mean, somebody believes that. You'd have someone who would back you on that. And so, instead of trying to discern all of that and try to figure out and all, get into all the controversy, I thought, let's just work at being helped and blessed tonight instead of getting into all the controversy. Tonight we're in verse number 23 and 24. Very familiar verses. I already have my water out here. Verses 23. Psalm 37, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Marvelous verses. The title of this evening's message, we'll just call it Steps. Steps. Let's pray. Father, we bless your name and are so thankful to be here tonight with a copy of your word. What a treasure that it is. We're also very grateful that you gave the Holy Spirit who could guide us into truth, for you know how blind we are. We ask that tonight, Father, your spirit would open our eyes that we might behold wondrous things out of thy law and that we would be changed and helped for the, the week ahead. For we ask this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. 
the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The first thing that we must think through on this verse is the term good man. What is that referring to? If your, if your Bible actually denotes these kind of things, you'll notice that this word good is in italics. That means that the word is not actually in the original. The translators were honest men, and so it's denoted that it is an addition. It's in italics. But in fact, the word isn't there, but some word has to be there. The first phrase and the second phrase don't make any sense if you leave that out without clarification. Now, I don't want to play gym, mental gymnastics here, but ask yourself, what is the definition of a good man? What is the definition? What did this be referring to? What is a good man? On one level, we can say with certainty, there's no such thing as a good man. Why? There is none righteous, no, not one. So a good man is not one who has some intrinsic goodness. There aren't any of those. So it can't be referring to a person with intrinsic goodness. Okay? I personally do not believe that God has favorites that he has chosen some to be good and others to be bad. There are those who believe that way. I don't happen to be one of them. I personally believe that whosoever will may come. I personally believe that draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So I can't see that good man is defined by God in some arbitrary fashion, that he just chose these are the good ones and I'm going to order their steps. So it's not intrinsic goodness that some man has, nor is it some arbitrary choice that God has just decided, these are the good ones I'm going to help. I really think the definition is fairly simple and is implied actually in the verse. A good man, a pious man, an upright man, is one who takes the steps that the Lord has laid out for him. A bad man, or the opposite of, the, of a good man, is someone who refuses to take the steps the Lord has laid out. I believe that everyone, everyone, know, has the next step. It's laid out. God says, here's your next step. For some, it would be salvation. For everybody in this room, they have a next step. The majority of people in the world don't take that next step. But a good man is not someone who has earned the status of good man by some merit, of his own. It is not someone who God has randomly chosen as the good ones, but it's simply one who is walking the path that God has laid out for him. I think this explanation both makes sense with or without the word good in the passage. Someone who is just following the path that has been laid out. Now the next word we want to look at is steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I have to tell you, this word steps is a very wonderful word. In shop class, we build a lot of projects. Recently, uh, we had the girls in shop for two weeks. Talk about scary. 
we had the girls for two weeks, and then they were done, and then the guys were back. So the girls come over to shop class for two weeks. Now, how do you teach shop for two weeks with people who have never really used tools at all? Some of them had not used tape measures or screwdrivers. Many of the guys that we get have not used even those tools. So how do you set a bunch of teenage girls to working with power tools, saws that would cut your finger off in a heartbeat? How do you do that? Well, this time we had decided to make tops, the old-fashioned wood toy tops that you use it, that are powered by a shoestring. Do you remember those? And you pull them like a ripcord, and they spin for a long time. When the girls came over for their first day of shop, had I held up the top and said, this is the top that you are supposed to build, here is the pile of tools, or the pile of lumber, and these are the tools. You have 50 minutes, go. What do you think would have happened? I'll tell you what would have happened. Absolutely nothing. That's what would have happened. The girls would have looked at the top, they would have looked at the pile of wood, they would have looked at the tools, and then they would have looked at me and said, you're crazy. And then they would have got on their phone and just played for that. <laughs> That's not how we run shop. They couldn't see that. They, see the, they don't see the process. In shop, we break it down into steps. You're going to cut this circle. You're going to drill this hole. You're going to sand this piece. You're going to router. Each of the steps take about 15 seconds to a minute. Now, here's what happened in shop. In the 50 minutes that they had, they each produced a complete top. You say, that's impossible. Not when you break it down into steps. Now, I will have to say, you guys can all duck your heads right now. We had a competition. They had a competition while I was gone on Thursday. They had a competition. The girls had made tops. The guys had made tops. And they had a competition on Thursday. In the finals, there were six girls and two guys the two winners were not guys. <laughs> it's embarrassing, gentlemen. I just have to say that. It's embarrassing. <laughs> Do you see how wonderful the word steps is? God doesn't say to us, be a missionary, and when you get to the field, let me know. He doesn't say, raise your kids and they better be good. He doesn't say, accomplish this task, and let me know when you get it done, and if you've done it wrong, you're, you've had it. Don't mess this thing up. Step by step by step by step. He breaks it down into one little step after the next so that you get to the end. In shop, we never give too many steps. If you give them too many steps, you get too far ahead of them, they shut down because they can't keep it all straight. God never gives us too many steps. He never lets us see too far down the road. Why? Because we just get too confused. If we had to see all the way down there, we just, oh, I don't think I can do this. 
You realize, do you realize how many things in your life, had you known that's where you're going to end up, you'd have never went? God just gives you this next piece, and you say, okay, okay, and the next piece, okay, okay, the next piece, and the next thing you know, you end up places where you never dreamed, and had you known, you probably wouldn't have been willing to go there. But step by step by step, this is such a precious, gracious word. He leads us step by step. The next word that we need to think through here is ordered. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The word ordered, it means to direct or establish. I'll let you in on a little secret about shop. Sometimes in shop, we run into trouble. The trouble is not with the students, but with me. My life sometimes gets a little busy, and shop, in my order of priorities, is lower on the totem pole than most things. And very often, church business will knock out, take over my prep time for shop. So a lot of times, we're building a project, and I'm building the prototype, but I'm only one day one shop day ahead of them on the prototype. I don't know if you can see the problems that are inherent in this. Because I'm making decisions and I'm building this thing, but I don't have a finished one yet. Because I haven't had time to make the entire thing. And so I get there, I, I take all the next steps that I need to take on my piece, and then they make these same steps. So I'm only one day ahead of them. Do you see, do you understand this? Here's where the problem lies. If I make some kind of miscalculation, if I have a problem in my design, it's not just my problem, my project that's bad. Everybody's project is bad. Do you see? Because they've been following and I don't have a completed one, I'm just going and they're following behind me. Do you understand this problem? It does happen in shop, and it's not the kids' fault, and sometimes we end up with pieces that are basically worthless. They don't work like they were supposed to work. Now, God doesn't have this problem. When he lays out the steps, he knows where they all end up. He knows what all intertwines. He knows the problems. He knows the mistakes you're going to make. He knows all of the pieces. And he has ordered them. He has established them. They are set from where you're at to where you need to end up, all in perfect order. And so you can walk knowing this is going to work out the way it's supposed to work out because he has ordered these steps. He's not like we are flying by the seat of our pants. He doesn't, as the old timers say, get the cart before the horse. God knows exactly what he's doing. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Chance doesn't order it. Luck doesn't order it. Circumstance doesn't order it. But God himself orders the steps. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The second phrase has a lot of debate surrounding it. 
The second, hello, I just spilled water all over myself, but I thought I swallowed something. You haven't been around my water, have you? Some of these people you have to watch about. It's the first baptismal service we've had out here. Um, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I feel like a little kid when I got all that orange juice all over my hands. <laughs> the second phrase has a, a controversy as to who do these pronouns refer to? Who is the he and the his? Is it God delighting in man's way or man delighting in the path that God has laid out? Now, we could spend a whole lot of time trying to debate that issue. But the reality is both are true. Since we've been using shop tonight as an illustration, we'll continue using it for a second. Joe Baker and I teach shop. Dirk will start this week and help us through the rest of the semester. We teach shop and we draw a lot of enjoyment from doing so. There's a great joy in watching kids who you have laid out a steps, the path, that they don't know how to use tools and you lay these things out the way that's workable for them and they, they see this thing and they have no idea how they would build it and they, they go through all the steps and they end up with this final process, the final project and they're like, wow, they had no clue that they could have built this thing. There's a great joy in watching that. You know, there is no joy. Very often, a kid will mess his project up. He'll do something really dumb and ruin some major piece to it. You know, I don't derive any joy from that at all. I don't have any fun saying, told you so. I, there's no joy in that. You enjoy watching people go the right way and produce something, do something they didn't think they could do. Think of God. Think of his love for each person. Think about the verse the way of the transgressor is hard. Do you think God enjoys watching people that he loves bring that verse to fruition? They make these major mistakes and now they have such a hard life. Does he love to see people who are unwilling to take the first step he's laid out for them? Does he enjoy watching people ruin their lives because they won't listen? I don't think so. But knowing where his path leads, watching his children follow that path, must be a great delight to him. He lays it out and then he watches his children do this and grow. And it's a great delight. He delighteth in his way. God delights in the way that he's laid out for his children. God delights in seeing them walk his path. But the other is also true. It is a delight for us to walk the path that God has laid out. You know, I've discovered something strange about myself. Over the years, I found out that God knows me better than I know myself. This is a really strange discovery. To realize that God knows me better than I know myself. Several times in my life, I have taken the path that God laid out. Not because I wanted to. 
not because it was, looked like it would be fun, not because I thought I would enjoy it. In fact, the opposite was true. I looked at what God was leading me to do, and I'm thinking, I don't know about this. I don't know I'm going to like this. And I did it, not because I could see it, but because I knew this is what he was calling me to do. This was the step that he'd laid out. Funny, though, each time I found it was a delight. It wasn't cold, hard obedience, but it ended up something that brought me great pleasure. Who knew? I thought, I'm going to hate this. God leads you into it, and you think, this is the greatest thing that I've ever been involved in. Who knew? I'll tell you who knew. God knew. He knows me better than I know myself. And he does that with every single person. A man finds that when he takes the path that God has laid out, it is more of a delight than he thought possible. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Verse number 24. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. I think this is interesting. Do you realize or recognize that in this verse, it presupposes a fall? The falls are presupposed in this verse. Get your mind to wrap around this. This is a very interesting thought, I believe. Riley, my grandson, I came up with his name, by the way. <laughs> Kudos to one grandpa who's messing it up all the time. Riley is starting to walk. So about every other day, we get a video from Lene, who is videoing him in this process of learning to walk. And so she sets the video camera or her phone up on some chair that he likes to walk to, and she's holding him, and she lets him go. And all of you have seen little kids like that. They, they take off, and they're doing really well. But everybody knows, before he gets to that chair, he's going down. Right? The fall is presupposed. When you let them go, the fall, it's part of the process. No parent says, you can't fall, I'm not going to let you fall. It's part of the deal. Sierra is beyond that early stage of walking. Now she actually walks pretty decent. She's got the early basics taken care of. But they have this dog gate in their hallway. And it has a bar across the bottom. I love to watch the little brain work. As they walk, she walks up to this thing, and she sees that. <laughs> and you can hear it, calculating, calculating. And she's trying to figure out which leg to put over that thing. You have you ever seen kids do that? And the whole brain function is happening just to get that one foot over that bar. And what, not always does, is it successful. And down she goes. It's part of the deal. Falls are presupposed. When she accomplishes that, they'll take her out in the yard. It's uneven surfaces and the grass is a whole different texture. And guess what? She'll go out there and walk and she's going to fall out there. And then, you know what? They'll take her out onto the gravel, the gravel parking lot driveway. And it's really rough. And guess what? She's going to go down. 
falls are presupposed. It's built into the deal. No, no parent says, that's mean, you can't do that. You've got to keep them all on that flat, even surface. Nobody says that. Because growth requires an advancement. And the advancement presupposes that you're not always going to be successful. It presupposes the fall. Have we got that far? Now, think this through. God could lead us on a very smooth, even, flat path that has no challenges. But there won't be any growth for us in that. We must be taken down a path that will cause our faith to grow, that will cause us to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit to lead us, that will force us to live by the principles of the Scripture. But with the possibility of those growths also comes the possibility of failure. And the path that we are on presupposes that we will at times stumble and fall. Only we're not in any danger. When Lene sends her videos, she has not yet sent one of Riley walking across a bridge beam over a river. Learn to walk here, Sonny. Come to Mama. <laughs> Nobody would tolerate that. It doesn't happen. Heidi doesn't take Sierra out to the, they have a main highway in front of their house. She doesn't take her down there to walk the yellow center line. Because on either one of those, a stumble would be disastrous and lethal. God doesn't do that to us. He puts us in positions where we're going to have to grow. It's not the, the flat, even surface that we've already mastered. It's the next level. And when he does that, it presupposes that we're not always going to be successful at this. We're going to stumble. But he isn't putting us in danger. He lays out paths that lead to wonderful places, but they require growth along the way. He doesn't run your path down through the places where a stumble would kill you. And the last phrase is very precious. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You ever watch someone trying to teach a child to walk? Heidi hadn't gotten out of the house, and so we all went for the afternoon we got out of the house while I was down there and if you're ever with Carol and Heidi together you must end up at Hobby Lobby at some point <laughs> and so I'm at Hobby Lobby which is not by the way one of my favorite stores just so you know <laughs> it doesn't hold a candle to Menards at all um, so I was getting in some grandpa time at the Hobby Lobby I was amazed. Sierra wanted to walk. Her legs are about that long. So for every, you know, one step I would take, she's got six or seven. And I was exhausted. <laughs> how does that work? Do you know how long the aisles of Hobby Lobby are? So she's walking. And Grandpa's got a hold of her. 
He's holding on, I'm holding on. And her steps were not always successful. A couple of times, have you ever, you've seen this, you've done this. They get their feet tangled amongst themselves. You know what? She never went down. She never went down. She did that whole ballerina twirl, break your arm off kind of thing. But she never went down. Why? Because I had a hold of her, and she wasn't going down. And this is what God says. You're going to stumble. Why? Because I'm taking you on some ground you've never been on before, because you, you've got to grow. I've got a purpose, and it's a wonderful purpose, but you've got to grow. And you're going to trip. It's just going to happen. Until you get your legs underneath you, it's going to happen. But you're not going down. Because when you stumble, I'm going to keep you up so that you don't get hurt. The Lord upholds him with his hand. Yes. This is amazing promises. Amazing scripture. This is what God has done for us. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. This week, take the steps. Don't run for the end. Take the steps. Be careful. There's going to be some tricky stops and steps in there. You're on ground you haven't been on before. Pay attention. Know that the Lord's got you.